0: The Oracle Network.
1: welcome back to another episode drop on the jury room podcast on this episode i'm featuring a podcast from australia we have anna with apple for the teacher podcast now it's a true crime podcast with stories from within the school system you know, the good apples and the bad apples. Murder, suicide, hijackings, sexual misconduct, disappearance, and much, much more. Anna reached out to me, and we developed a relationship. I'm very thankful for her reaching out. Now, she exposed the Dream Room Podcast to Australia, and here we are. So make sure you go and show her some support. I appreciate it the friendship and the future endeavors that we're going to do together. So Anna, if you're listening, thank you so much for what you've done for the jury room podcast to everyone else. I hope you guys enjoy this show. Thank you. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
2: In the year 2014, some very excited high school students were going on a school trip. They boarded a ferry which was taking them to a nearby island, but they soon noticed that the ferry seemed to be experiencing some turbulent waters. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called Sinking Ship the high school students went on a school trip. What happened to them? It was six years ago in 2014 when a group of students from the Danwon High School in South Korea were going on a school trip to visit the island of Jeju. This island is South Korea's largest island and has three UNESCO World Heritage sites and also museums, theme parks, lava tube caves and waterfalls it's a popular holiday destination and is often compared to hawaii as a winter getaway for people seeking warm weather and beautiful beaches to get to the island the students boarded a ferry called the seawall this ferry was 18 years old and had been purchased from a japanese company in 2012 and then underwent modifications by the new owners After beginning operations again, the ferry made three round trips per week from Incheon to Jeju Island. The journey to the island took about thirteen hours. On the day of April fifteenth two thousand and fourteen, the ship departed carrying four hundred and seventy-six passengers, of which three hundred and twenty-five were students from the Danwan High School. As well as the passengers, the ship was loaded with cargo. And about 200 vehicles the ship's captain was 69 year old lee june shook he was on a temporary one-year contract as a replacement for the regular captain who was on leave he had 40 years experience at sea and had traveled the route many times before as it would take 13 hours to reach the island the ferry was scheduled to depart in the early evening at six thirty pm this meant that most of the long trip would be made through the night when everyone was asleep about an hour prior to departure the vessel traffic service issued a low visibility warning due to fog and the ferry's departure was delayed until the conditions improved the ferry finally got underway at 9 p.m. the next morning the passengers were having their breakfast and some of them noticed that the soup they were eating appeared to be tilting so they thought perhaps the ferry was going through some rough waters however the ship began tilting more and more and objects then began falling or sliding off surfaces at first no one was too concerned but as time progressed it got worse and worse and one student was prompted to call emergency on his mobile phone the time was eight fifty-two a.m here is the actual audio of that call, and then you will hear the translation.
3: you
4: one nineteen
0: situation room.
3: Help me. the ship seems to be sinking.
0: a ship is sinking.
3: We are on our way to Jiju Island. the And the ferry tilted to one side. Hold on.
0: Is this the ship you're on, or another ship next to you?
3: The ship I am on board.
0: What's the location of the ship?
3: I don't know the location.
0: Don't you have the longitude and latitude on the GPS? What's the name of the ship? Suol. It is Suol.
2: A few minutes later, the ship itself made a distress call, and further calls were made over the next 15 minutes. Here are some of those calls.
5: Please notify the Coast Guard. The ship is rolling right now. Please come quickly. It is impossible to move as the body of the ship is titled. This is Seawall Ferry. All of us are off our feet now. I don't know if I should order everyone to jump into the water or not. I told the crewmen to wear a jacket and be on standby.
2: Meanwhile, an announcement was made to the passengers to stay where they were and not to attempt to leave the ship. Here is the announcement made to the students.
5: We advise Danwan High School students do not move from your current position and please wait.
2: The students were not told what was happening, and so there was a lot of uncertainty. They thought the ship was experiencing very turbulent waters. Some of them started taking photos and recording videos with their phones, with their conversations being quite light-hearted.
6: I'm going to take a selfie. Got to take pictures for the last moment. Take a picture of me. Call me a man without gravity.
2: In the next emergency call, the ship said they were unable to evacuate as they were on a tilt and the lifeboats couldn't be accessed as that side of the ship was submerged. The students continued to hear more announcements.
5: Do not move. Just stay where you are. It's dangerous if you move. So just stay where you are.
2: While the crew recognized they were in a precarious situation, the students were not aware of just how serious the situation had become. They continued to laugh and joke and take selfies. The next audio shows how seemingly unconcerned they were. One student asks, is it going to be like Titanic? And then you start to hear them singing the song from the Titanic movie. More and more announcements told everyone to remain where they were and to put on life jackets. Finally, the students were beginning to realize that it wasn't a joke anymore.
3: Everybody, hurry, wear life vests. Hurry, if they are telling us to wear life vests, doesn't it mean the ferry is being sunk? The ferry is tilted and I am going to throw up. I am shaking. And I have an upset stomach. It is sixty degrees tilted. I'm scared, really. I really want to live. Are
5: we really going to get sunk? Damn frightened. Isn't it going to be on the news? I am sure this is going to be on the news. No, unless it gets sunk. No, it's not going to be. It can't be. Do you see? The ferry is being sunk. Being sunk! Don't go on a school trip if you don't want to die like me. Please save me. Please save me. Who's going to look after my sister? I won't let my sister go on a school trip. I don't want to die. Now the ship is being tilted. I don't want to die. If water gets leaked, we've got to escape. Should I call my mother? It gets more tilted. Hey, rescue me. Isn't it being sunk? No joking. Leaning so bad. So bad. I really want to get out of here. I mean it. Hey, what if... am I going to die?
2: Meanwhile, numerous conversations are taking place between the Coast Guard and Maritime Rescue about how to respond to the situation. The Coast Guard sends a call saying,
0: We need to get someone on the ferry and evacuate the passengers in an orderly fashion. People should be told to move to the deck and jump out of the ship, so any rescuer who goes down first in this dangerous situation... Will be the hero later on.
2: The Coast Guard then makes contact with the ship and informs them that a rescue boat would be arriving in 10 minutes. It was this announcement that sent the students into a panic. They started recording videos and sending texts to their families.
5: Rescue ship is coming in 10 minutes. They tell us to wait for 10 minutes. Son of bitches. I am going to destroy them, this devastating captain. I die because of you. The temperature in my brain is 100 degrees. Karate to slash you guys. I now cut your throats with a silver knife.
6: Now the situation is the ship is titled. Students are in chaos. Toilet water is all over. Why am I on a school trip? I want to survive. I'm about to cry. I'm scared to death. The rescue team is coming. Even if they are coming, how can this save 300 people? Swear words are coming out of my mouth, but I can't because adults will watch this video. I can hardly breathe. I don't want to die. kami you're a real good friend. Grandma and Daddy, I love you. Sister, we used to fight a lot, but thank you. Brother, I really wanted to see you, but I go without seeing you.
2: The students were panicking more and more, and there weren't enough life jackets for everyone. Yet, further announcements told them that rescue boats were on the way and to stay where they were. The Coast Guard had communicated with other ships in the area to proceed to the ferry and deploy their lifeboats. A rescue boat finally arrived at 9.30, just over 30 minutes after the whole ordeal began. The rescue boat and the Coast Guard exchanged the following conversation.
0: Listen carefully. This is HQ Security Officer. Have you arrived at the seawall? Yes, we have. Do you see any passengers? I don't see anyone at this moment. What? No one is on the deck? Is there anyone who jumped in the water? Uh, There's nobody in the water. No one on the sea? No one.
2: So it seems that the Coast Guard had expected that passengers would be trying to flee, but what they didn't know was that everyone had been instructed to stay below deck. It was at this point that the Captain tried to instruct everyone to abandon ship. However. The communications equipment on the ship began to fail. The electricity went out and all contact was lost with the ship. The emergency services now had no idea of what was happening on the ship. A helicopter arrived at the scene ready to evacuate people and had intended to land on the ferry. But this was not possible due to the angle of the tilt. This next student recalls when she heard the helicopter.
0: I heard a chopper and looked out. It had a camera, but neither the chopper nor the patrol boat made an evacuation call,
2: and no rescuers led us. They gave us no instruction of what to do or anything. Not long after the first rescue boat arrived, the captain and some of the crew were the first to be evacuated from the ship. There is a video of the captain getting rescued, and he was to come under much condemnation for abandoning ship, which will be discussed later. Meanwhile, some of the students decided to go against the official orders and tried to evacuate here is one of the students named yang and her account of what happened because we'd always been told that we'd be safe if we follow instructions we followed the instructions and it got darker because the ferry was filling up with water out the windows we could see the ship was sinking then more and more water came in so we were now standing on our luggage and we heard water come in from the very end of the ferry. We were in a very wide room, and there were cabinets that separated the rooms, but we heard someone screaming from the far end, and suddenly all the cabinets collapsed. If it weren't for the cabinets falling down, we would never have made it out. And we came out from what was the hallway, but because the ferry was sinking, we walked out the walls. Once we came out, we saw our friends. They told us to come out. Nobody was there to rescue us. We didn't even need to run because it was just one step away. If we took just one step, we would be in the ocean. But we were so afraid to do so, so we stood still. Then suddenly, the ocean water rushed into the boat. I held onto something and resisted, but I think a lot of my friends were swept away. That's when I realized that I really needed to get out of there. The people outside pulled me out And that's how I escaped the ferry. I can never forget that day. First off, we weren't rescued. We had to escape ourselves. So, more and more students began escaping. And luckily by this time, some rescue boats were there to rescue them. But most of these were civilian fishing boats and other commercial ships. So, here is a summary of the timeline so far. The first call by the student was made at 8.52 and the ship itself sent out a distress call a few minutes later. 30 minutes later, the first rescue boat arrived and the captain was rescued. More rescue boats arrived and some of the students evacuated themselves. While all this was happening, students made calls and sent text messages to their families. The last contact between a student and their family was made at 10.17am and after that, There was no more communication with anyone on board the ship. So that was approximately an hour and a half after the drama started. Now we go to the time of 10.30, just after the last communication with the ship. The air rescue arrived at the scene. Here is a conversation between the air rescue and the Coast Guard.
0: Can't you land on the ferry? Only the tip of the bow remains above water, and I don't think it's possible. We we should have landed on the ship earlier to make a good scene. It's a shame. Uh, We could have shown our agents evacuating the passengers. So most of the passengers are out, then? Yes, uh, most of them are out. So no passengers left? Uh, Yeah, people escaped as the ship started to tilt. We didn't search the cabins, but it seems most of them are out. So can we presume there is almost no one left on the ferry? Yes, yes.
2: So... While these men were talking about wanting to look like heroes, what they didn't know was that, yes, there were passengers still on the ship. The ship continued to sink and was totally submerged by 1pm. The death toll was catastrophic. Out of the 476 people on board, only 172 survived, making the death toll 304. Of the 304 who died, 250 were students from the Danwon high school and now here is the student from earlier yang who managed to get rescued she talks here about what happened immediately after the rescue after escaping from the ferry and setting foot on land it was really chaotic there was no time to think we all went inside the house of a jindo resident and watched the news at the time The news outlets reported that everyone on board had been rescued. So for a while, we thought that it was such a relief. When we went back to the Jindo gymnasium, we had to move by boat. We were watching the TV again, and the news said more people had gone missing. That's when I thought something was really wrong. It was really chaotic. I thought it was a bit rude, because we were still students, we were still teenagers. We had just gone through a tragedy, but there were cameras waiting for us. We had to first get off a bus that took us to the gymnasium. As soon as my mum and dad saw me, they just ran down to hug me, and the reporters were all busy filming us. I do understand it's the responsibility of a reporter to film this and to share it to the world, but I had no chance to give my mum an actual hug, and I was pushed inside the gymnasium, My classmates were all crying, regardless the reporters still filmed them and they were trying to interview them. My friends were trying to calm down from the chaos. When I saw that, I was infuriated. She goes on here to describe the whole rescue operation. So the initial response to the disaster was the problem. It should be an obvious fact. Shouldn't the people in charge be the last ones to escape from an emergency? The crew members should have guided everyone out of the ferry first. The captain was one of the first to leave. To me, you don't need to study this to know that their actions were wrong. They had definitely done something wrong, and I just don't understand why they didn't make an announcement. If they had just told us to leave the ferry, we would have all escaped. And the fact no one came to rescue us, even when we sent out signals, and for the captain to have left the ferry by himself. I got really angry, and I still can't understand. So, in the days and weeks that followed, there was a large-scale operation by divers to try to find any survivors, and it was hoped that some were able to survive in air pockets. But sadly, they were only able to recover bodies. No more people were found alive. After the completion of the search, there were nine people who were never found imagine being the parents of one of those children the other parents were at least able to have closure and bury their children but what these parents had to endure i cannot even imagine the scale of the disaster was just so difficult for people to comprehend the whole country of south korea was asking how could so few survive it was clear that there was some kind of a catastrophic failure which saw so many people die the government was then put under immense pressure to find out exactly what happened there were rallies held all over the country one group of parents and their supporters embarked on a 800 kilometer walk to demand answers also a group of students went on a 40 kilometer walk demanding answers for their lost schoolmates. And here is one father's account. He was on the walk with other parents and was interviewed by a reporter. This is their conversation.
6: What do you think of
0: while walking?
4: I think about my son.
0: What do you remember the most about him?
4: When talking to him on the phone, I told him to listen to the Coast Guard's words. It just breaks my heart.
6: You did the right thing. That was the best thing you could say.
4: We talked on the phone at 9.43, and if I'd have told him to come out, he would have. But I told him differently and couldn't save him. That's my biggest regret.
6: I'd have told him the same thing. Don't blame yourself too much.
4: I can't stop blaming myself. I'm so sorry to my son. I can't even look at his photo. I had a chance to save my son, but lost him because of what I said. When I just think how scared he must have been. It's my fault. It feels like it's my fault that my baby died. I don't know how to live on. I want to know why our children had to leave us like that and why they were not rescued. I want to uncover the truth no matter what.
2: I watched this interview on video and it was absolutely heartbreaking. The father is crying and the reporter is crying as well, trying to console him. I have never seen a reporter cry like this and he was a male reporter as well so often we see news reports of the reporters who descend on a tragic scene to get news coverage and i know that they're doing their job and they can't be seen to get emotional but i just can't see how they couldn't i would have been crying too so the absolute tragedy of this incident is evident but we will now go on to see that the immediate aftermath and the investigation would go on to further traumatize already grief stricken families for many years afterwards. While the drama was unfolding, there were many conflicting media reports being circulated. Each different media outlet seemed to be reporting contradictory information. And even more devastating, the parents of the students on board were informed at around 11 a.m. that all of the students were rescued and safe. Can you believe this total incompetence so now we will get into the many questions you must have about what caused this catastrophe the investigation into the disaster determined that there were three main factors which contributed to the sinking of the ferry these were illegal modifications to the ferry the overloading of cargo and human error the investigation uncovered that the ship had undergone some modifications, which included adding two more decks of passenger space and the cargo space was also expanded. The modifications resulted in a change to the centre of gravity and there was a left-right imbalance. As required by maritime regulations, the modifications underwent an inspection, which were passed. But it was discovered afterwards that the inspection was based on falsified documents and after the inspection there was a further tonnage of marble illegally added to the ship. So when the ship sailed on that day it was operating under a falsified inspection report, extra weight had been added and it was also loaded with cargo which was far above the legal limit and to hide this overloading they drained the ship of its ballast water which is required for balance. This was done so that the ship would not appear to sit too low in the water. Also, the cars, trucks and shipping containers on board had not been secured properly. They were tied down with ropes instead of chains, or not secured at all. This caused the cargo to slide when it started tilting, thus forcing the ferry further onto its side. It was also discovered that the ship's ballast tanks had not been properly maintained and the captain who was on leave had reported months earlier that some of the modifications had decreased the stability of the ship. He also reported that there was a malfunction in the steering gear which was ignored. The captain stated that the ferry owners had threatened to fire him If he continued his objections, another person who the investigators sought to interview was one of the ship owners and he was issued with a summons. However, he evaded the police and went on the run. What resulted was the country's largest manhunt. About two months after the tragedy, he was found dead and it was determined that he had died by suicide. A number of people were given prison time for their roles in falsifying documents regarding the modifications and illegal cargo other officials from the korean shipping association were also jailed for not inspecting the ferry's cargo and storage before the ferry departed the overloading and illegal modifications alone may not have caused the tragedy but we will now look at how human error also conspired to cause the sinking i'm now going to describe what caused the fatal tilting of the ship there were two crew members who had been steering the ship the captain was not there at the time it was not exactly clear what happened but it seems that there may have been some miscommunication between the two crew members an order was given by one crew member who was named park to the other crew member, "Cho," to change course from 135 degrees to 140 degrees to the right. And then another order was given to turn a further 5 degrees to the right. This was done at 8:48 a.m. This caused the ship to list to the right, which also led the bow or the front of the ship to turn to the right park noticed that the ship was then listing heavily to the right and then made an order to turn in the opposite direction so it had gone 10 degrees to the right and then five degrees back to the left in a very short space of time it was estimated that this all happened within a 40 second period the investigators came to the conclusion that Cho's steering led the ship to attempt A 15 degree turn in the space of 40 seconds. Now, to me, as someone who has absolutely no knowledge about how a ship operates, this seems to me to be a very simple mistake, yet it had catastrophic results. Just a few degrees one way and then the opposite way can cause a ship to sink, really? Of course, the overloading and not securing off the cargo also played into the equation, but I just still can't fathom. That this happened. So let's look at the timeline again. The ship steered to the right at 8.48 a.m and the first call was made by the student which was at 8.52 which was only four minutes later. So what seemed to be a small error was felt almost immediately by the passengers and it absolutely amazes me that it was a student who made the first emergency call. How astute was he? But so sadly, he was one of those who lost his life. Now we all know that when a country goes through some type of a disaster, whether it be natural or man-made, the government, and in particular the prime minister or president, play a pivotal role. So now we will look at the president of South Korea and her role during the emergency. Her name was Park Gwen-hye she had been the first female leader in South Korea. After the tragedy, she came under increasing criticism about how she handled the whole event. It was expected, as it should be, that a president would be highly visible to coordinate the response to such an incident. But this was not the case. Questions were raised as to where she had been when the tragedy unfolded and an investigation was conducted Into what she had been doing on that day. Following much scrutiny and pressure, she finally released an official account of her actions on that day, which later turned out to be fabricated. Here is an account of what actually happened. At 10 a.m., the head of the National Security Office tried to phone her, but she didn't answer. The president's office received notification of the ferry incident at around 10.15 and sent a report to her but it didn't reach her as she was in her bedroom. The report had been left on a table outside her room. Then at 10.22 the president's secretary went to her room and called her from outside her bedroom and she finally came out. She telephoned the National Security Office whose call she had not answered earlier. This late response meant that the crucial early hours of the rescue operation had already passed, and her official statement said that she had been in her private office, which was determined to be untruthful. By the time she emerged from her room, the ship had already started capsizing, and then became almost completely submerged an hour later. She then made arrangements to visit the central disaster and safety countermeasures headquarters but not before she called her personal hairdresser to do her hair she then arrived at about 5 pm later that afternoon at the disaster headquarters but only stayed there for an hour and then returned to her residence by 6 pm we will now go on to look at the trial the captain and 15 crew members went on trial The prosecutors called for the captain to be charged with homicide and receive the death penalty. It was concluded that the captain was not the only person responsible for the tragedy, and although he was found negligent, it did not amount to an intent to kill. He apologised for abandoning ship and said that he deserved to die. He denied that he had intended to sacrifice the lives of the passengers and requested not to be branded a murderer. He also admitted that he had left an inexperienced crew member at the helm when the ship sank. He was asked whether he should have been at the helm of the ship as it was going through a channel with strong currents, and he replied, yes, I guess so. He also admitted that he knew the crew member steering the ship didn't have the required skills and experience. He was ultimately sentenced to thirty-six years in prison, which was met with anguish from the parents present at the trial. The chief engineer was found guilty of murder and jailed for thirty years. Thirteen other crew members received sentences of up to twenty years for abandonment and violating maritime law. As for the president, as well as receiving criticism for how she handled the disaster, She also underwent a further investigation following allegations of corruption and there were subsequent calls for her impeachment. The investigation confirmed abuse of power, bribery, coercion and the leaking of government secrets. She was sentenced to 25 years prison and various government officials also received prison sentences for their involvement. So, what became of the sunken ferry? a salvage operation to raise the ship began three years after the sinking now when i read this i was wondering what took so long and i found out it was because of bad weather conditions which kept delaying it really for three years a salvage operation like this would usually see a ship cut into sections to be raised however they wanted to keep it intact in the hope of finding the remains of the nine people who were still missing. Here is what one mother said, whose daughter was still missing. We can't help but feel stunned seeing the ship
3: being raised. My Inwa has been in that dirty place. My poor Inwa.
2: It's been heartbreaking how cold she's been there. After the ship was brought back to the dock, many of the families were waiting, wanting to see the ship. However, they were not allowed near the ship. There were gates erected And despite their pleas, they were not allowed to come close. Here is what one parent said. How come you don't let us enter?
5: We have been waiting three years for this moment. Why do you lock us out like this? You have to tell the truth. Let us see the fairy at least. What more do you have to hide? Open this gate. Kids were killed while waiting. They waited and died. Don't tell us to wait.
2: While watching the video of the salvage, I noticed that the salvage team found many mobile phones. So many students had made videos, calls, and text messages, which is how we know so much about what had happened. Many of the quotes you heard were primarily taken from the videos recorded by two students. But so, so sadly, these two boys did not survive. But isn't it a miracle that their phones weren't destroyed? And after watching the videos that these deceased boys had taken, right at the end, you see a message from one of their fathers. And he says, I am the father of Kim dong Yup. I didn't mask him and revealed his name. My son is not a criminal. I would have if he had been a criminal. So this is very interesting. As the father is saying, That he allowed the video to be released and he allowed people to see his son's face and to know his name. And then he says he's not a criminal. So this seems to imply that the boy may have received some criticism for taking the video. As we have seen, the students thought it was a joke at the start. So perhaps people criticised him for this and for taking video of people who ultimately died. But those poor kids, they had no idea what was happening. How could they have known that they would die, and how can anyone criticise him? It's just beyond me. At least we know through that video what happened. Besides the passengers who lost their lives in the sinking, there were also other people who were victims of this tragedy. One of those who survived the sinking was the vice-principal of the school. But two days after the sinking, he took his own life by hanging himself. He was the one who had organised the trip and wrote the following in his suicide note. Surviving alone is too painful when 200 lives are unaccounted for. I take full responsibility. He requested that his body be cremated and for the ashes to be scattered at the sinking site, saying, so that I might be a teacher in heaven to those kids whose bodies have not been found. Oh, I feel like crying. So we have seen that the tragedy affected so many people. The parents of the students, the fairy boss and the vice principal both took their own lives. But imagine what it would have been like for the divers to try to find survivors. They had the unenviable task of having to retrieve body after body. Here is what one diver said.
7: I collected about 25 to 30 bodies. With bad visibility, you don't know where you are. The, the layout of the ferry was complicated and we needed to set up guiding ropes. The furnishings had collapsed and we had to go through the maze. Many things revealed their struggle to survive. I found several people in a twin bedroom. The students gathered together in the small room to, to survive. When we left the scene, there were small birds in the rain and wind. Those tiny birds were flying around in the storm. The birds were so tiny and beautiful and their call was so touching. But it sounded like the students wailing, asking me not to leave them behind.
2: I was watching this diver speaking on a video and then was so heartbroken to find out that he too had taken his life. This just crushes me. The diver and the vice principal. They had nothing to do with the deaths, yet they took their own lives. That poor vice principal. He did nothing wrong but to organise a trip which teachers do all the time. So what happened to the surviving students? They did not return to school straight away. It was two months later that the 75 children finally returned. They were all holding hands as they walked through the school gates. Parents of the dead children were also there crying and holding up signs with one saying, we love you. One of the students said, Grown-ups are constantly telling us to forget and cheer up, but we will remember and recollect our friends, because not forgetting them is what we can do at best. Just as we will remember them, please don't forget them. Another student said, our friends and teachers had to leave us because of irresponsible and selfish adults. Some of the students were also wearing bracelets, which said, remember 0416 which signifies the 16th of April, the day of the disaster. Now, after I read this story, I was thinking, surely this has to be the worst ferry disaster in terms of how many people had died. So I was horrified to also read that a similar ferry disaster had occurred in South Korea, which killed 326 people out of 338. So are you kidding? Only 12 people survived. Earlier in the story, you heard from one of the students who survived, named Yang. In the years that followed, she became a spokesperson for her fellow students, both alive and deceased. And I have come across various rallies and memorials that she has attended to continue to keep the memories of the tragedy in the forefront of people's minds. Three years after the disaster, she was invited to Berlin in Germany, where she was presented with a Human Rights Award by the German Political Foundation, the Friedrich Ebert Stiftung. The foundation honors outstanding individuals and groups in promoting human rights. Yang had taken part in a candlelight rally with 17 million other South Koreans, and they specifically called for the then President Park Gwen Hai to resign and as we saw she did eventually resign and was jailed. The rally had been organised by the Korean Alliance of Progressive Movements and Yang was selected through an online vote to become the representative at the rally. During the speech she gave Yang said the following about two of her friends who were killed in the tragedy. I must say that I received this award because of you. And here she is talking about what she went on to do after the sinking. I graduated from college. I majored in emergency medical technology. Originally, my dream was to become a kindergarten teacher, but after the Seawall tragedy, I grew an interest in this field. I also thought I received a lot of help from a lot of people, so I wanted to return the favor by studying emergency rescue. Is there anything positive that can come out of such a tragedy? For me, if there is anything that I can learn from this, it would be to go with your instincts. The students who didn't follow orders survived. Their instincts told them to try to get out. But for the others, their obedience cost them their lives. And this is so similar to another story that I covered in episode 64, The theater that caught fire in China, which killed so many students. Those students were also told to stay sitting down as the theater was burning. So, if you haven't listened to that one, that's episode number 64 called Chinese Burn. And here is such a sad quote from a mother who had been talking to her daughter on the ship.
3: The moment the captain was leaving, I talked to my daughter on the phone at 9.47 a.m. and the captain was rescued at that time. I told her to follow the teacher's guidance, which is my biggest regret. I should have told her to escape quickly. I just told her to follow her teacher and she said she would. After the call, I couldn't reach her.
2: Even as the years went by, the grief didn't get any easier, as can be seen by this parent.
0: To my son who I miss. I want to hug, and I want to touch you. How are you doing? How long has it been since we haven't seen each other? Not even a hundred days or a thousand days. It's been over two thousand days. If you love your mom, you can't do this to me. Please come to see me at least once. Do you not love me back? Please come to see me today at Christmas night. I remember your smile, my son.
2: So now let's go over the final numbers involved in this story. There were 476 passengers, 325 were students, 250 of those died and only 75 survived. There were 15 teachers on board, 3 survived and 1 died by suicide. I'd like for you to hear a final quote from one of the students which is so eerie and it gave me the chills when I read it the first time. The passengers are just given the following announcement. Please don't move. Stay put. Hold on to available pillars. This announcement came very early in the event. And when a female student hears this, she says the following to a friend of hers.
3: This is crazy. Isn't this the kind of situation when they tell you, stay put, it'll be okay. And then they run away for their lives? That happened in a subway accident. They said it would be okay and
0: stay put. But only the people who didn't follow the order survived.
2: How absolutely chilling. How poignant her words went on to be. I actually watched a video of this conversation, but I couldn't find out what happened to her and the other students in the video. So, we have seen the absolute heartbreak that the families had been through, but sadly there was more to come. At the end of the 2014 school year, the students who survived were able to graduate and we can only imagine what that ceremony must have been like, which was missing 250 students. So it was unbelievable to hear that these students had been removed from the school register, which resulted in a protest from the families. Their names were eventually reinstated And then, three years after the disaster, the school held a graduation ceremony for these students, where they were posthumously awarded their graduation. Here is some of that ceremony.
3: It's been around half a decade since a horrific ferry accident took more than 300 lives here in Korea. Most were high school students. Today, a special graduation ceremony was held to have the young victims posthumously awarded diplomas. Kim mok takes us
7: to the tearful scene.
3: 3 years later, than their peers, students of Tanwon High School who died in the Sewol ferry disaster on April 16, 2014, have received an honorary graduation ceremony. A total of 250 students who lost their lives in the nation's biggest maritime disaster have finally received their honorary diplomas after their education was tragically cut short. The ceremony kicked off with a calling of the names of each student as their pictures were presented on the screen. As their names were announced, parents and siblings cried and shouted out the names of their children in despair.
7: ″There is nothing that can comfort us except for our children coming back to us. Many of us parents feel this way, and this is why many of the seats are vacant. But we pushed through with the ceremony for the safety and honor of our children.″ ″There
6: are many parents who are still traumatized from the disaster, and many of us are still hurting. I am afraid that my child will be forgotten as time passes.″
2: so it's now been seven years since the accident and here is the latest information that i've been able to find over that time there has continued to be criticisms of the government's response and allegations of a cover-up the families and their supporters have persisted in their efforts to get to the truth. There have already been four investigations into the accident, but then another investigation was conducted by the Supreme Prosecutor's Office, which was completed only in January this year, 2021. It was concluded that there was no basis to the allegations that there had been a government cover-up. It had also been alleged that south korea's military or spy agency which was under the command of the disgraced former president park Gwenhai, hye that the agency had illegally put the family members of the victims under surveillance the surveillance was said to be because the families had joined activists and opposition politicians in seeking answers about the sinking it was said that the government agencies had attempted to obstruct an independent panel who began to probe into the accident's aftermath. So the surveillance was believed to have been used to keep watch on the family's movements, but the investigation found that there was no evidence of any such surveillance. There had also been allegations that the ship's tracking system had been tampered with, but there was no evidence found to support this. It had also been alleged that the closed circuit television footage retrieved from the ship had been fabricated and this matter will continue to be further investigated. The rescue operation has also received much criticism over the years. When the Coast Guard was in contact with the ferry captain, they instructed him to make the decision of whether or not to order an evacuation. And as we saw, he decided to tell the passengers to stay where they were. But even as the disaster progressed and when they found out that more than half of the passengers were still trapped on the ship, there was still no instruction to enter the ship or order an evacuation. So the Coast Guard then came under intense criticism and was accused of negligence. But at a subsequent press conference, They stated that they had given an evacuation order several times, but this was later proven to be false with a number of falsified documents coming to light. But this latest investigation did have some promising news for the families. Charges of negligence were filed against the head of the Coast Guard and 11 high-ranking maritime officials for failing to lead a swift rescue operation. So it remains to be seen what happens to these people. But for me, why has it taken so long? It's been seven years. So it's taken seven years to bring these negligence charges against the rescue operation. Mm, That just smells of a huge cover up to me. And I also think the accident should be externally investigated because it's very dubious of a country investigating itself. How can any such investigation actually be credible? So we can see that this matter is far from over and I will be monitoring the case for future developments, which I will share here on the podcast. Now to date, in regards to the number of people that were missing, we previously saw how there were nine students who were still missing. Over the years, they have managed to find a few more bodies and now there are only five students still missing which really is five way too many. These five families must be in absolute agony. Now, I also came across some other interesting information regarding this story. I had watched a number of YouTube videos, which is where I was able to get the quotes of those involved that you heard. I found out later that one of those videos was a documentary which had received an Oscar nomination in 2020 best documentary short so this film was the second south korean film to receive an academy award nomination with the first being the movie parasite which actually won the award for best picture in 2019 the short film of the fairy tragedy is called in the absence and it's easily accessed on youtube The producers of the film met and interviewed many of the families who gave them access to the children's mobile phones. Here is what the producer of the film said. When we started this project, we promised the victims' families that we will share this story with a bigger audience around the world. We didn't make this just for Korean society alone. The victims' families often say that every child in the world has to be able to come back home in the evening when they say, see you later in the morning. That is basically the responsibility of any government or any community. That's what they want to deliver or share with a global audience. The nomination really, really helps us to share this story and we are very, very grateful. They also spoke about the divers who had to retrieve the bodies. They said, The divers told us how they retrieved the bodies of the children because it was so dark in the ferry, they had to hold a guiding rope all the time. So that means that you have to hold every child to take them out. One diver said the bodies were entangled and really in the dark he couldn't see. But the body wouldn't let go. So he said he told the girl, let's go home, I will take you home. And somehow the body got released. He held the girl and brought her back. They were also asked why it took three years to raise the ship, which is also what I wanted, and the response was, the previous government wanted to hide as much as possible. As soon as the previous president was impeached, the ship was brought up immediately. That means that technically there was no problem to retrieve the vessel. If you look at the location, within one mile from the sinking spot, there was an island. So if everybody had jumped out in their life vests, they just could have floated and got to the island. And on that island for three years, the victims' families took turns and they watched the sight of the sinking ship. They didn't trust the government at the time. They thought the government might try to destroy the evidence while nobody's watching. The family members set up a watchtower and they watched for three years. Oh my goodness, how much sadder can this story get? The producers have also been discussing making a full-length documentary of the disaster, which of course I would very much look forward to. So that brings us to the end of the story. So let me tell you how this episode came about. So I wanted to do something special for episode number 100, and I thought it would be a great idea to ask some of the listeners of the podcast and also other podcasters to create recordings of some of the quotes in the episode so the voices you heard are from people in our facebook group and other podcasters who kindly volunteered as you would know i really think it's important for people at the center of the stories to tell their own stories which is why I always look for quotes and audio to include in the episodes. So once I had the idea, I then had to find a very special story to use for the episode. And when I came across this one, I realized straight away that it was perfect. So I could not have done this episode without the following people whose voices you heard. Firstly, we have the people in our Facebook group. Thank you to David Power. Kevin Norris, Christy Dale, Laura O'Neill, Kate Much, and Rochelle Carmichael. And then there were the podcasters who offered to help. So thank you very much to Sean Humrick, who is a member of the Facebook group, but he also has two podcasts. One is called The Best Picture Podcast and the other one is called Shit We Watch on Netflix. Sounds interesting. And then there is my fellow Australian podcast, Kyron and Juan, who are from the Mere Mortals podcast. Then there's Bern at the Murderific podcast, Rachel from Hashtag History, Alicia and Emily from Murder in the Rain podcast, Eric at the True podcast, Ariel from the Malice podcast, and then we have Curtis Vova who is a voiceover talent and drama teacher. So can you tell which voice his was? So thank you to all of these wonderful people. Now, while I knew what the voices of the podcasters sounded like, I wanted to know what the voices of the people from the Facebook group sounded like. So I asked them to send me a test voicemail so I could hear their voices and then try to match their voice with each of the characters in the story now i just expected them to simply say hello but i was overwhelmed by what i heard so i'd like to play some of their test recordings they totally scripted everything that you are about to hear themselves so take a listen first here is kyron down from the mere mortals podcast for those of you not from australia you will hear him referring to a bird called a magpie that likes to swoop people, and particularly bike riders. And as a bike rider myself, this has happened to me a number of times. So take a listen to his clip.
7: The pretty lady was attacked by the bird. Why? In this week's episode of Apple for the Teacher podcast, we are following the story of Anna, the schoolteacher, Bertie, the magpie, the insatiable thirst for blood and vengeance. But first, onto our country of the week, and this week we will be going to the moon. So here's a fun fact for all of you listening at home. The moon has a dark side which has never seen been seen before by humans. What exists there? Most likely angry magpies.
2: This next one is from Kevin Norris. He talks about cats, as everyone knows that I'm a crazy cat lady, so take a listen. This
3: podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Please note, no cats were harmed while recording this podcast. And now here's a fun fact. Teachers have been hearing the dog ate my homework excuse since 1905. Teachers do not take no for an answer unless it is written in a complete sentence.
2: And this last one is David Power. I do my podcast recordings in my closet for the good sound acoustics, and he makes reference to this in this next clip. Take a listen.
4: Somewhere a woman sits alone in her closet talking to herself. Why? Welcome to the 100th episode of an Apple for the Teacher podcast with your host, Anna Thomas a teacher who takes you through the strange, weird, and totally bizarre world of the educational system. So grab yourself a tinny, sit back, relax, and strap in, for this is going to be a good one.
2: How amazing, right? Their recordings just totally had me in stitches. It was just so funny to hear them doing a parody of me. So I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who participated in this episode. I just loved putting it together and collaborating with everyone. But what's more important is that it gives me much satisfaction that more people, including myself, are now aware of this absolutely tragic story. And now, here is a preview of the next episode. It's called Charlie Brown. The teacher was walking home after school. What happened to him? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote. Only rats desert a sinking ship. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.